Well, if you didn't remember uh, Pastor Ben's gone today, you certainly do now. And those of you that remembered and still came, thank you. As I like to say, I may be incompetent, but I'm short-winded. Well, as you, uh, if you know or you may not know, Pastor Ben is uh, not here today, obviously. He is uh, dedicating a grandbaby, his first grandbaby. And uh, that is just uh, amazing. And it is my prayer that uh, he really enjoys that uh, particular event. I think his dad is going to be there and participating in that. And what a huge uh, blessing grandchildren are. Uh, and I just, I hope that through that ceremony with all the garbage that's going on in his life and all the troubles that he's able to look at that little baby and, and put it in perspective today and, and to think about how amazing not only that little baby is, but how amazing God is and, and what a huge blessing uh, grandchildren are. So lift him up today. Keep him in prayer. We should be doing that anyway because uh, his life is not easy. He's dealing with a lot of issues personally and then uh, being a minister at a church, especially with the level of spiritual attack that occurs here and um, the uh, just level of attack that's occurring nationally and, and throughout the world against Christians and especially Christians that preach the, the word of the Bible, uh, it's, it's intense. And so we need to be praying for him and, and this church constantly. So um, we should start today by going to the Lord and asking for his presence. So if you would join me, please. Father God, we just thank you for today, Lord, and thank you for another day of life. Uh, I know that there are people here that have come in with just tremendous struggles, some of them health issues, some of them financial, some of them family issues, marriage issues. I mean, every problem that can befall a human being is probably represented here today. But I would just ask you, Lord, for your presence here. And I would ask that you would give us a peace beyond all understanding, Lord, and that you would open our ears and that you would anoint this message. Because if you don't anoint my message, Lord, it isn't worth anything. It's not, we should all just head out to the hoot owl for pancakes. And I would just ask that you would um, anoint this message and be with us today and, and a special blessing upon the people that are here today. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, um, I don't have any bad news. Now, if you don't attend regularly, you won't know what that means, but usually I'm the bearer of bad news, but I don't have any bad news. Um, in fact, uh, I, I'm going to start off talking about going to a uh, memorial, but uh, in, in, uh, I'm going to start. Uh, last year, I had an opportunity to go to a memorial for a lady that I had known about 45 years or so. And, you know, she's one of these people, I'm sure you guys have people like this in your life, you know, you, you've known them for a long time and you, you receive periodic updates, maybe you have a family get together or event where you see this person. And so, um, you know, for at least 45 years, I'd known this lady and, and, you know, I knew things that were going on in her life. And I hate going to funerals and memorials anyway, but I was um, told I was going. And so I did. But um, I, uh, I was really, I was amazed at what happened at this memorial, and I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about why it happened today. You see, this lady, um, she didn't have her best life on this earth. She dealt with issues constantly throughout her close to 80 years 
that she was alive. I'm not actually sure how old she was. I know she was either 80 or close to it. But, you know, throughout this time that, that she had been, uh, that I had been aware of her, I know that she had had problems with her marriage with a husband that wasn't faithful, uh, likely on multiple occasions. I know that she was aware of it. Um, you know, she had kids, and this is early on, obviously. And uh, she chose to stay with her husband, and she chose to put those kids first. And as things happened, you know, she had the normal things that happened in her life, you know, that just happened to anybody. But during this time, uh, as the kids grew older, uh, one or two of them, one for sure, and another one kind of went off the rails. And I know that it was during this time that I began to see how she was connected spiritually and how she was handling with these, these issues that were coming up. And she was literally on her knees, and she was asking the Lord uh, for help and for intervention during this time. And during this time, uh, I know that her heart was breaking because uh, she saw what these kids as they got older were doing and the mistakes that they were making. But what I was uh, impressed with was the fact that she, uh, she always kept her focus on Jesus. And whenever she was around those people, she, she still loved them, but she also always pointed them to Jesus, which didn't always make them happy. But as time went on, those kids grew up, and they had kids, and they had grandkids, and that's when I saw, you know, she had a, a good time in her life. I remember her being in tow with two or three of these grandkids at different times. They almost always had a sugar snack with them, uh, and they were just happy. I mean, they were with Grandma. And as they got older, you know, the ice cream cones changed to clothes, and, you know, you could always tell they, were, they just lit up because Grandma was there. But Grandma was always not like a drill instructor, but she, she always was pointing them towards Jesus. And she was very concerned about them spiritually. And she was attending the same church, or they were attending the same church she was during this time. And so I know that she was involved in that, and she was pointing those kids. And as time passed, some of them really went off the rails. They got into same-sex marriages and things like that. And I know it broke her heart, but she kept focusing on Jesus, and she kept pointing these people to it. So when we came to this, this funeral, I mean, you're talking to a lady that's either 80 or close to it. You know that a lot of times when you get to that age, there aren't a lot of people at, at these services. You know, there's maybe a few, you know, the kids or something like that. And this was in a, a church in another city that's, uh, well, Sandpoint doesn't have a church that seats this many people, let's put it that way. And it was full. I mean, it wasn't packed, but there was a lot of people. And the demographics of this particular memorial were really interesting because they, uh, uh, they were a lot of younger people there. And I think that's a real testament. I mean, it's not a bunch of old people that were, you know, remembering. Uh, a lot of them were her kids and her grandkids. Of course, her kids are in their 40s now. But her grandkids were also there. And I'll tell you, it was the grandkids and the kids and the people that she had mentored, for lack of a better word, who were in tears, and they were sobbing. And the spirit that was present in that place was just amazing. It was, it was uh, I was really taken back. And, and the tears weren't so much the tears of someone who has lost someone, but really the tears of what this person meant to 
these kids, even though they were still sitting there in sin, even though some of them were using drugs, even though they were still in these same-sex marriages, they were the their tears were the tears of what it, the, her faith that she had expressed in each one of them. What an, what an amazing legacy. So the question I want to ask today and, and try and answer is, why was this lady who, who was a Christian, uh, why was it different than most other Christians? And I, I want to go through an analysis, and it, it, some of it may be a little bit surprising to you. I hope, I hope it is. But I, I, really, I really have been thinking since that um, experience about what it was. Because, again, this lady's life, you know, oh, minor detail. She also wrote two worship books or prayer books during this time that were published. And they were not your best life now. They were uh, passages of the Bible and thoughts on when you're in Difficult times, I mean, troubled times. And she, these were published books, and they were received very well because they were based on her knowledge of the Bible. So the first thing that uh, I really believe uh, she had settled in her own mind was who the person and nature of God is. Now, before you blow me off and say, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I believe in God. Well, let's take a second here and think about this. You know, the more that I talk to people, especially people that uh, are not maybe regular church attenders, and I, you know, I, the conversation of God comes up and I ask them if they believe in God, well, almost all of them say uh, that they do. And I'm reminded of James 19, where it said, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So that, uh, along with the... Uh, Current culture tells us that there are many people that profess a belief in God, but the real, the real issue boils down to the question of who is that God. And of course, the problem with this is that if you come to the conclusion that I would assume all of us in here have, uh, it creates a problem for us spiritually. We're in immediate need of a Savior. So let's go and just take just briefly, I'm not going to uh, go into this in great depth, Let's see what God has to say about him. And I'm, I'm looking at the different, just a few passages in the Bible. And one of, the, one of my favorite passages is when Moses, at the beginning of when he's going to free the, the people out of Egypt, he's talking to, God's talking to Moses. And I, I kind of, I see a sense of humor in this because, you know, some funny stuff, because Moses, I think, is probably freaking out. Um, let me just read it. Uh, this is Exodus 13. Then Moses says to God, if I come to the people of Israel, this is, this is Moses speaking, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. Now, as we go through Genesis and Exodus and, and the Old Testament, we, we see that, the God, that God tells us that I am your provider. I am your healer. I am your banner. And you know, when I read that, it really... It really it touched me because I'm thinking, you know, if we need, if we as Americans need a banner right now, we need the Lord as our banner. 
And uh, I think we forget that too easily. I am your peace. I am your shepherd. I am your righteousness. I am present with you. Wow, isn't that amazing? And then um, if we talk about or look at Jesus, uh, I think one of his best endorsements was done by a demon because as we see in Mark 124, uh, this demon says to Jesus, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. What, a, what an endorsement. And Jesus said in John, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Amen for that? For I have come down from heaven, that tells you his status, do not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but I will raise him up on the last day, for this is the will of my Father, and everyone who looks upon the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And we know from the New Testament that Jesus said, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, and I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the vine. And so I think that um, if you take a look at what we have to do and what this lady did, we have to understand that we have to first, as an initial foundational issue, settle the issue of who God is, not just this nebulous cash machine in the sky or this uh, guy that you're hoping is going to help you win the lottery, but you have to determine who this God is. And of course, once you do that, then you've got a problem because he is a holy and righteous God. And if he's a holy and righteous God, and we know that we're not because we had we fell in the garden and that we are not sufficient in and of ourselves without a savior for salvation, then we've got a problem. And of course, people don't want to deal with this because they want to do what they want to do. You know, because once you make this initial determination that this is the God of Abraham and Jesus is his son, then we know that we can't be doing the stuff that he tells us not to do. And we want to do it. Uh, John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So the first key step in this is that I think that uh, she knew and she made the conscious decision to determine who this God is. And she chose wisely and determined that he was uh, our Father in heaven and his son, Jesus Christ. And then that we also, she was in need of and we're all in need of a Savior. And then once you've made that initial decision, then you have a second decision, and that is, is the Bible the inspired word of, of God? 
And is it the inspired word of a holy, a righteous, and omnipotent and loving God? And I again think this is the second stumbling block that the majority of people have to deal with because, again, the Bible brings condemnation. And without a Savior, you're, you're in deep doo-doo. And so, of course, if you're wanting to go and sin, if you're wanting to go and do all this stuff, which at least initially appears to be uh, fun, then you're, uh, you're getting told and condemned by the, the passages of the Bible of, because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And, of course, none of us are going to be uh, completely uh, holy and we're not going to not sin. We're all going to sin. That's not the issue. It's just an issue of whether we recognize that and we take that kernel deposited by the Holy Spirit into us, and we're immediately justified, if you remember, but we begin the sanctification process where we begin to walk with Jesus and he begins to drop these things that are in our lives that he doesn't like, and we have to let him do it. And sometimes it's other people in our lives, sometimes it's habits in our lives, sometimes it's uh, any of a number of different things that are dragging us down and leading us to be in sin. And so the Bible is kind of a downer, but it, if you realize what it really means, it's really the greatest message we could ever get. What a blessing. We have a loving God. We have a loving Father who wants nothing more than to save us. And all we have to do is just ask. And so if we look at how this lady lived her life, I think we can safely say that she, she recognized the person and nature of God and of Jesus, and she made the conscious decision uh, to uh, accept the word, the Bible as her word, or as his word, and her word, because uh, she was constantly in it, and she drew her strength and her um, uh, ability to get through these very difficult times from that word. And of course, from going to prayer in the Lord. Now, I need to say this because I, it, I would be doing a disservice to those who don't believe. And that is that all men will be without excuse uh, on the day of judgment. And of course, we're going through revelations uh, and it's, I think highly probable we, the majority of us will still be alive when we get through the entire book. But, uh, you know, uh, we're going to be doing a disservice, or I would be if I didn't mention this, and that's Romans 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now, you think that's happening in this country right now? Unbelievable. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Now, as I read that, that's saying that all you have to do is look around this world and uh, be able to see the hand of God in it. And it, he is telling you, even if you've never had a Bible, that there is a, a God that created this world. And of course, you know, then I immediately think, well, what is really happening lately? Oh, we're trying to suppress any teaching or thought that, that God created the earth. 
or that there is a God, of course. But, you know, we're getting back into this time, like in the times of Noah before the flood, where we're taking God's creation and we're tweaking it, which is really a slap. And I never really thought about it until I heard a message from one of our brothers about this, that we're basically saying, well, God, this is pretty good, but we can fix it better when we do these genetic modifications and things like that. And of course, then there's so many people that say, yeah, you know, this the world's a gazillion years old and, you know, spacemen came through and emptied their black water tank. And from that, of course, where the spacemen came from, they never, they never uh, uh, exactly say. But I mean, they have this insane stuff and they're teaching it to our kids. And, you know, the general consensus, I think, amongst those people that I respect is that one of the, the most offensive things that we can say to God is to say, you didn't build that. No, wait a minute, where did I hear that before? But anyway, uh, to say, you didn't build that, or you didn't create that, wow. Okay, continuing on. So they are without excuse, for they knew God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Well, don't think that's not happening now, because we have a whole bunch of men that think they're very wise and who have excluded God and are trying to uh, take control and and do things that directly contradict the word of God. And that's happening right now as we speak. Therefore God gave them up to, in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, who, blessed, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those who are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Think that's happening now in this country? Amen. And, you know, it just breaks my heart. And, and you know, I, I'm just going to take a break. This is free. There, there's no extra charge for this thought. Um, I know that I, there are a lot of people, and, and myself included, that believe the return of Christ is, is imminent. Now, imminent in his time frame may not be imminent in my time frame. But I, I want to offer an alternate um, thought about this, and that is, Maybe what's happening specifically with this country is the protective hand of God is slowly being removed. And he's saying, you want to act like this? This is your will. Uh, and being the gentleman God is, he's not going to force that on us. And I, it just breaks my heart to see what's going on here. And it breaks my heart for, you know, the, you know, little Katie, our grandchild, who, uh, and everybody else's children to see the world that they're going to inherit Okay, that was free, and I'll go back. Uh, They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. Can you say big city? They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, 
<coughs> Hollywood. Uh, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithfulness, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but approve to them who practice of them. So, looking back again at this lady's life, uh, even though she was in these different circumstances, she continued to focus on Jesus, and she continued the work when she didn't want to do it. And, and I know uh, that there are many that have been through these relationship issues, whether it's a marriage or, or through kids, and you just kind of want to give up. You, you, it's just a, it's a very difficult thing. But she chose to continue, and and. I think it's a huge testament to her that although she had the biblical grounds to leave her husband, she chose not to. And I don't know, I can't say why she didn't. Uh, I'm guessing it was a combination of different things. But I believe that she focused on Jesus in these situations, and as painful as they were when she was in that pain, that she got down on her knees and she went to the Lord and she, she asked him for help and to see her through these difficult times. And and I'm so glad she did because she made such a difference in the lives of these kids that were present uh, and, and all these other people that weren't necessarily family that were at this memorial. That was a testament to that. And as I said, the, the people that were in the, in the deepest sorrow, that were in the, in the deepest tears, were those people that she had deeply touched in a godly way, being the hands and feet of Jesus when she was dealing with them. And sure, I'm sure she gave them money or, you know, fed them or, you know, whatever needed, needs they had, I'm sure she tried to satisfy them. But it was really that spiritual component of it that she projected and that she tried to, to direct them in that really made the difference. Now, I, there's something I think I, I need to comment on here because... Uh, what I'm talking about here is not the opinions of men. <clears throat> Excuse me. The, uh, we're warned uh, in the Bible, in Luke uh, 6.26, Woe to you when, you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. And so uh, it's important, you're going to have to use some discernment in this, but you, it's important to understand that I am not talking about people. I'm talking about how God viewed this lady and her work. You know, I, I could, if I was a rich person, I could get a huge uh, legacy, Christian legacy. I mean, we see these in these old churches where, you know, this stained window was purchased by, you know, so-and-so, or this pew was purchased by so-and-so, and... -so, and and we're not talking about that kind of legacy. We're talking about a spiritual legacy and the effect, the deposit that you made of Christ into other people's lives and that this lady made into other people's lives. And so uh, it's just important because there are a lot of people, uh, some of whom I think are maybe not the best Christians who uh, are spoken well of by many people. And uh, some of these preachers, and I'm not going to mention any names, but uh, we all know who they are that are preaching a false gospel, yet they have mega churches and they, uh, boy, I wouldn't want to be them. Let's put it that way. But let's go back 
uh, to what uh, Jesus said. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Now, that is difficult. Uh, you know, if you're getting sued uh, and trying to love them, a little difficult. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. Man, that's some difficult, difficult commandments. If you love those who love you, what benefit is it to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those to whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. So, I want to ask a very difficult question, and that is, and don't answer out loud, what's your spiritual legacy going to be? If something happens on the way home, what's your spiritual legacy going to be? What is your... Have you acted as this lady have? Have you settled in your own mind who the person in nature of God is, God? Have you identified correctly who that, that deity, that, that Lord that we're so fortunate to have is? And if you have, have you accepted that you're in need of a, a, a Savior, that you're a sinner, and if you have, have you correctly identified who the person and nature of Jesus Christ is? And have you accepted him as your Savior? And if you have, have you allowed that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which begins, it grants, as I keep saying, not only justification, but it begins the process of sanctification, where you begin to become progressively more and more like him. Have you allowed that to happen? Have you been regularly praying? Have you been regularly going to God with the, not only the problems in your life, but for the problems that are in this church, for Pastor Ben, for the, the elders? I mean, you think about it, what a crazy couple of years we have. Now we have a horizontal baptismal downstairs. It's, it's OSHA safe because you can't drown in it. It's, uh, you have to roll the person around. For those of you that don't know, uh, we have a, a water leak from natural water in the basement, so the carpets are soaked. and uh, It's been going on for, what, a month and a half? It's, and nothing's... Well, anyway, it's, uh, it's frustrating. And as I said, uh, the final thought on this and I'm going to wind up with this, is we're headed into an election year. And I know, I, I just am kind of dreading it. Uh, we're weirdos. We killed our outside TV about 27 years ago. Um, now, that's not to say I don't have a TV, and it's not to say we don't watch TV, but it's a smart TV. 
so we link it up to the internet and we watch uh, <laughs> very intellectual things like Match Game from 1975 and uh, a lot of metal detecting videos from all over the world. But, you know, I just, I'm dreading this year and, and for a multitude of reasons. But, you know, what an opportunity this is going to be to say, and to, to tell people about, not only about Jesus, but what Jesus says. And, you know, one of the things that I'm just amazed, and you got to remember, I, you know, I grew up, I was born in 1960, I grew up in the 60s, came of age in the 70s, and I remember a time when men actually got in fistfights. I mean, you say something inappropriate or, or profane in front of a woman, you might get punched in the face. And, you know, those days are gone for the most part. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying, you know, to give you some perspective of, you know, what I've seen over the years. And now, you know, we have these people that are out saying this blasphemous stuff and, and everybody's a kowtowed uh, and doesn't want to say anything because you'll be, you know, uh, a hater or you're going to, you know, whatever term they want to put on you. But uh, and, and confronting that really takes some, some discretion because we know we're not supposed to, you know, uh, go punch somebody, obviously, but it doesn't mean that we can't defend the Lord and we can't state openly what the truth is and to say that this conduct is wrong, you know, having, uh, you know, the library transvestite, whatever they call the uh, readings up, and I, I don't know that they've had them here, thank God, but, you know, people need to voice their opinions, and they need to start representing what God has said to the people that are in charge. I mean, look at our county government right now. I mean, it's just like, oh. So, all that is to say, it is my hope today that um, all of you have settled these issues as far as who the person of God is, his word, and that you are going to the Lord, having accepted that, seeking him and his knowledge, and that you are, um, you're the hands and feet of Jesus, and that you're putting that, that uh, deposit into the hearts of your children, your grandchildren, and uh, what an amazing experience. Green and I have uh, just in the last 14 months had the ability to have that experience, and uh, there, she's now 14 months old, and she can kind of say Grampy and Grandma, and there's nothing better than when Green walks off and she blurts out Grammy, or when I walk off and she says Grampy, uh, little Kate. And, you know, what an amazing experience. I just love it. And, of course, she, I have to be the one that carries her to the car or out of the car, which I think even drives her dad nuts, which is great. And, of course, I get to be a good grandpa because I tell him I'm going to buy her a drum set here this Christmas and stuff like that. But I, I won't because I know they'd lock the door and never let me back in, so I, I don't want to run that risk. All right. Well, if you have any questions, Pat is in the back there, and, and I'll be up here. But that is the, uh, my message for today. Uh, it is short. And so uh, I guess I'll come back up and we'll close in prayer after prayer. <laughs>
One of my very favorite songwriters, singers, has always been Johnny Cash, and I think he's one of the few that, uh, there's a lot of, like Mark said, there's a lot of profession, professing Christians, and they profess faith in God. A lot of people in the music industry, um, but it's like, what God are you talking about? And I believe Johnny was somebody who really knew the God of the Bible, um, lived what he what he said and had a horrible life and mostly due to his own mistakes, but um, he really laid it all at the feet of Jesus. And this is a song he did much later in life and I, I've just loved it a lot, so. <clears throat> from his hands it came down From his side it came down From his feet it came down and ran into the ground Between heaven and hell A teardrop fell In the deep crimson dew The tree of life grew And the blood gave life To the branches of the tree And the blood was the price That set the captives free And the numbers that came through the fire and the flood Clung to the tree And were redeemed by the blood From the tree streamed a light That started the fight Round the tree grew a vine On whose fruit I could dine My old friend Lucifer came Fought to keep me in chains But I saw through the tricks Of 666 And the blood gave life Through the branches of the tree And the blood was the price That set the captives free And the numbers that came Through the fire and the flood They clung to the tree And were redeemed by the blood From his hands it came down, from his side it came down, from his feet it came down, and ran into the ground. In a small inner voice said, you do have a choice, the vine grafted me, and I clung to the tree. And that blood gave life through the branches of the tree. And the blood was the price that set the captives free And the numbers that came through the fire and the flood Clung to the tree and were redeemed by the blood And the blood gave life through the branches of the tree And the blood was the price that set the captives free And the numbers that came through the fire and the flood Clung to the tree And were redeemed by the blood From his hands it came down From his side it came down From his feet it came down And ran into the ground
I think you should sing that uh, every service. That's amazing. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Holy Father, I just uh, I pray, pray a special blessing upon the people that are gathered here today. Again, we none of us know the troubles that are here in present, Lord, but we just we pray that they would turn to you, Lord, that they would seek you, that they would go to you in prayer, and that they would not only lift themselves up, but they would also lift up the others who are in times of trouble. And I pray that they would try and become the, your hands and feet, Lord, providing uh, help and and encouraging even those who hate them and who, who hate you, Lord, because that's how we're going to win them to you. I just ask a special blessing and keep these people safe as they travel home, Lord. We just give thanks to you, Lord. We have no concept of how lucky we are to know you and what a tremendous salvation awaits us, Lord. We just thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.